Doesn't it feel good to say that? Ah, we made it. Uh, you know what? I know that we, we're going to be talking about this year for quite a while. You do know that, right? So it's okay. It's okay. And, and I know that there's a lot of things, as Greg said a little earlier, there's a lot of things that we would probably tend to forget. But there is one thing that I am going to hold on to for as long as I possibly can. Ah, it's a, can y'all see that in the back? It's a piece of snow and just take it out of here. I'm going to hold on to that. I kind of look at that as a gift from God to end our year. And I will hopefully be done before that melts. So I would like to begin with a prayer to say thank you to God for what he's done for us this year. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you. Lord, thank you for giving us such a uh, beautiful group of people that we can be a part of here this morning. Thank you for giving us families and friends who have been with us in these difficult days. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of, of relationship. Lord, with those who are still with us, thank you for the memories and the legacy that has been left by those who are no longer with us. Lord, I pray for peace for those in grief, for comfort for those who mourn. Lord, I pray for care and attention for those who feel as if they are alone. Lord, I pray for resources for those who have little. And I pray for a generous heart for those who have much. This morning, Lord, I pray that you would help us to hear, help us to see a vision of what could be. Each time we come together, Lord, and, and approach your word, help us to have a grand vision of what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Help us this morning. Hear us and help us, Lord, to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to put this back here. You know, it does seem only fitting that 2020 ended in a blanket of snow, doesn't it? It's almost as if it's going to be a brand new beginning this year. Uh, you know, life has a rhythm. It's kind of a rhythm of stops and starts. And uh, with each changing of the seasons, there's an ending, there's a beginning. And I've learned just to stop sometimes and be thankful. It's okay to be thankful, even if the season before was difficult, because one rhythm is shifting into the next, and, and I'm no less thankful today and, and privileged to be able to start our new year alongside each and every one of you. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching with us online, and you, you're still part of this church family. Well, my rhythm, since I've been preaching at least, has been to kind of take this first Sunday of the year and to share my heart for where I feel God is leading us in the coming year uh, as we move into a brand new season of ministry together. And I, 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 I thought a lot about what scripture I wanted to, to open us up with today as we begin our new year. And, and I just thought it would, it, it's really only fitting 
to open with, with the final words of Jesus. And, and I know we've read this a lot, and our tendency when we, when we hear Scripture that we've read a lot is to say, yeah, yeah, I know that. But this morning, I'd like you to listen to this as if you are hearing it from Jesus for the first time. Hearing his words from Matthew chapter 28. This is also in your app, along with some notes. Uh, but it's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This is what it says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This, as you know, is the Great Commission. It's the uh, word directly from Jesus himself, uh, his parting words to his disciples there so long ago, right before Jesus ascended to heaven. And this is uh, a word focused and directed toward believers. Believers are to make disciples. This is a commission to those who, who believe in Jesus. Anyone who believes in Jesus, not just educated believers, not just formally, ministerially trained believers, not believers who know enough, not just believers who think they have something to share. This is to all believers. If you were a believer in Jesus Christ, these words are for you. And what I love is that it's a command that starts with a very active word, go. It's a very direct word that requires movement and action. Very specific word, a very action-oriented word for believers. And even though um, I know we can agree that it wasn't given to non-believers, sometimes, and I'll, uh, I'll confess, sometimes I act as if um, this particular commission was given to non-believers, <laughs> as if all non-believers should go into all the churches and become disciples. I will confess I have sometimes sat back and waited for non-believers to just miraculously show up. Maybe that's just me. I grew up hearing this and I grew up reading it. And, and this, the, the way that, that this whole making disciples uh, thing was done whenever I was a kid was very programmatic. It was, uh, it was you know, these were uh, messages at my church. These were um, uh, groups I had to be involved in. The church, you remember going door knocking? We used to do that. And, you know, I took a class in college called uh, Practical Personal Evangelism. And we would basically make spiritual cold calls. 
physically. We'd go, go to people that we didn't know. It was just one of those things where you'd have, if you see someone you didn't know, you'd go up and you'd ask them a question. Usually it was if you died tonight, do you know where you would end up? You know, it was tonight. It didn't happen, not today, but if you died tonight, you know. And so I remember one particular moment, we were at this apartment complex and I was knocking on doors and this guy opened up and I did. I started off with, if, hey, if you died tonight, um, would you know where you would spend eternity? Now, this man, he had, he was a, it was an interesting looking man. He had on a shirt. He didn't have any pants on. He had just briefs, which was odd to me. Um, but I remember that moment because I, I'm, you know, you're supposed to just plow through regardless of what they look like at the door. So I asked him, if you died tonight, do you know where you'd end up in eternity? And we started having a little conversation and, you know, sure enough, he didn't want to go to hell and he wanted to know more about God. And so, you know, we had a moment there and, and he was, you know, wanting to become a Christian and uh, the guy I was with was my teacher and it was a little awkward moment, you know, primarily because he didn't have any pants on. But I don't know if you've ever had an experience where it was just an awkward conversation. Now, we had no relationship. Um, I've never seen him again, really. I know he, he, we connected him to a church, but I've never seen this person again. And, you know, I, I always think back to that moment, and, and I always do so with a prayer, and I, and I pray. I just pray that he found his way into a great family like this. It's not always the easiest thing for someone who's just, you know, gotten a cold call. This would, have, by the way, have terrified my introverted friends. How many of you are introverts? <laughs> the ones that don't raise your hand. See, that was a trick. See what I did there? Um, no way would my introverted friends have done that, have just knocked on a door. Well, they probably would have if they were with somebody but it's not something that they do. I had so many friends growing up that were introverts, they felt guilty because they weren't able to do that. As if strangers are the only ones who need to hear the gospel. But what I would discover in my life, because I've kind of married an introvert, somewhat of an introvert, what I, dis what I would discover in my life is just how powerful of a role these introverts play in their group of people. Leading people to Christ for them was done through this relationship. And it leads me to this question. What if the Great Commission, making disciples, wasn't just about relaying information, but was also about relationship? And what if go didn't just mean to go to those people you've never met before, but maybe going also meant to go to those people who are in your life right now. 2020 has shaken the world. Would you agree with me? It's not fallen back into place like we had hoped. When you shake things up, it kind of settles in different places sometimes. For churches across America, things are not settling back like we thought they would or like we hoped they would. We had no real preconceptions of what things would turn out to be. Um, so here's a story. In the early 90s, uh, engineers in a place called Choluteca, Honduras, 
Um, they, they designed a bridge. They w- wanted to replace the old bridge. And it was a, um, you know, really great designed bridge but done by a Japanese firm, done very quickly, very, very, um, it, was, it received accolades for, for uh, the, you know, ease and the cost and the efficiency. Uh, well-engineered bridge. Uh, it took, four years later, Hurricane Mitch, no relation to our elder Hurricane Mitch, re, uh, pounded the area with 75 inches of rain. That's a lot. Well, I was in Houston back in 2001 during Tropical Storm Allison, and we had, what, 24, 25 inches? And, but, it, I mean, it flooded a lot. So imagine 75 inches of rain. That's, that's I, I can't even imagine that over that much land. 75 inches of rain caused massive flooding. The hurricane shook this city. And when things settled back down, they realized that their bridge had held strong. Not even a crack. Of course, the problem was that the river moved. The roads leading to and from the bridge were completely washed away. This is infamously known now as the bridge to nowhere. Isn't that crazy? This past year has shaken us, and I'm going to tell you guys, our culture has moved right before our eyes. And it's caused a lot of people to withdraw, not only to stay at home, but also to stay away. And for some, with good reason, for the most part. And this staying away isn't going away. The the statistics since COVID has hit is only that about 11, hear this, 11 to 15% of solid church-going people are currently physically going back to church. And and granted, I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying this is statistics. And so, and here's the other statistic that's interesting. Out of all the solid church-going folks, only 33 to 35% are still engaged in watching online. 2020 has caused a lot of people to move into this different rhythm. Now, we could look at the numbers. We could be shocked. We could be sad. We could be afraid. Or we could also look at this as an opportunity. Because just because our church is rooted and established and strong doesn't mean we have to be stationary. The church has always adapted to its environment. That's how we've stayed for so long. We've always found new ways of reaching the world. And I believe it's time for the church to go. Staying at home as a new rhythm has caused many people to, to focus uh, on people that they really weren't focusing on before. People in their everyday lives. For us, it's our four or five neighbors. I mean, we've spent the last almost a year with these people. 
We love them dearly. And it's because of this whole event. And I'm sure it's probably the same for you in some ways. You've started focusing on the people, maybe some, some surprising relationships have developed. Maybe they're your friends. Maybe they're your relatives. Maybe neighbors. Maybe it's those one to two people you work with. Maybe it's that, that person or two that keeps showing up and you don't really know why, but they're, they keep showing up. And you keep seeing them. Maybe you're developing a better relationship with them. Maybe you're developing a better relationship with that policeman who keeps stopping you every Monday morning. Because you just want to get to work. Whatever the case, there's probably people in your life that you are now closer to than you were before February. And you may not have asked the question yet, but do they know God? Does that person sitting next to you in class, do they know God? And are you just now thinking, I don't really know. (laughs) This is where I believe that God is leading us into this new season of ministry. I believe, oh, listen, I believe he's offering us an opportunity to make a real marked difference with those people in our everyday life. Some of you may already be doing that. Great. But I think for the most part, we may not have been paying that close of attention. Because if you're like me, I get wrapped up in things. But I believe that this difference that God is leading us towards is not going to be something that's just done by our elders or by our trained ministry staff, it's going to be able to be done by you, each and every one of you. So beginning next week, we're going to start our brand new REACH conference. It's our third annual REACH conference. Now, for those of you who don't really know what a REACH conference is, it's basically, uh, just imagine going to a conference that would happen on a weekend, but over four weeks. We're still going to have worship, we're still going to have a sermon, and, but, but we're going to have classes that are focused on this idea that we're talking about. And this is very practical content. I'm very excited. I mean, I'm very excited about this. Um, there are moments whenever, you know, I kind of get excited about something, but I'm, I'm pumped about this because I believe this is going to be something that could help those of you who don't feel as if you know enough to share the gospel. I, this is good. This is for you. It's something you can do. Now, for those of, uh, of you who are not able to come physically for one or two weeks, this is all going to be available also on video for you too. I'm going to kind of go through some of this in just a moment. But let me just tell you, you've heard this word spoken a few times this past year, and this is called uh, a conference. It's, it's going to be uh, surrounding the word oikos. And I know that you've probably all heard this. Phil has mentioned this in a couple of his uh, sermons that he's done. Um, now, we've used this word in the past year. It may not be new to you, but the word is Greek for household or, or family, really. Uh, It's used in some pivotal moments in Scripture. Acts chapter 10, we see Cornelius and his oikos. The Spirit comes on them. Uh, They they receive Christ. They are baptized. We see uh, in Acts 16, Lydia and her oikos, her household, are baptized together. 
Now, Cornelius and Lydia's, uh, their oikos was probably uh, immediate family, uh, maybe some servants, maybe some employees, maybe uh, those people who just kind of kept showing up. Today and throughout the coming year, we're going to be leaning into this idea of our household. Now, it's not just our immediate family, but those people in our life. And my hope is that when we start connecting some of these dots, we'll start realize that God has positioned each and every one of you very strategically and purposefully to grow and build the kingdom of God. All of you, each and every one of you. 2021 for me, and I hope for you, is going to be about making disciples. We talk about baptism a lot. And sometimes we think, oh, we just get them baptized first, then they'll become a disciple. Well, there's an order here. Make disciples. Baptize them. There, it, I don't care what order it is, but I think that making disciples is important. And I think that it happens through relationship. It's not just passing information. Through relationship. This is not a program. It's not something we're going to just use to swell our numbers and to just get a lot of people to start coming to church. This is a way that we can fulfill what God has charged the people of God to do, which is to bless others, to lead them toward a better life, and to lead them toward, toward eternal life, and to build up the kingdom of God. I'm so excited about what we're about to study. And what I wanted to do just for the next just a few minutes is talk to you about a couple of these um, words and phrases we're going to be using. You received a handout and you'll receive some of these. You can look through those if you want at your own leisure. But let me just go through a couple of these things. The first one is this thing called the oikos principle. And what this means is that 95% of people who become Christians, who decide to believe in Jesus, they do so through personal relationship with someone. One that is a relationship that's shared between a believer and someone who is close to them. How many of you came to Christ this way? Through someone who you knew led you to God. You can raise your hand if you want. I mean, so several. Yeah, I did. My, I remember my father led me to, to Christ. He, we, we had those conversations. It's not just about the information. I mean, if that was true, all we'd need was Google. Google's not a very good evangelist. In our separated culture, relationship is the best way to introduce someone to Christ. Here we go. Oikocentric lens. An oikocentric lens. When we begin to look through this particular lens, what this does is it turns our tendency uh, for seeing life through a how does this benefit me lens to a how does this benefit the kingdom of heaven lens. I was thinking, I was talking to Jeff about this last week. What if we had a four-word motto every time we walked through these doors and the four words were, it's not about me. How would that change our worship experience together? If we said, it's not about me. And if we did, we might not be tempted to be irritated or to be offended 
or to complain about worship. One story, uh, there was a particular member complained to, to one of their elders about worship and the elder said, so you're saying you didn't appreciate worship today? And they said, no, I did not. And they said, well, that's okay. No one was worshiping you. Worship wasn't for you, so that's okay. So that's, that, that's okay. I think that that's, you know, I, I've been that person. When we are focused on how we can benefit others, we have this oikocentric lens. When we're, what, what this lens does is it, is it, you know, helps us to see people we may not have seen before. Or it may help us to see someone who may not be having the best day. It may help us to see others before we see ourselves. It helps us to focus on feeding others and not on how we are or are not being constantly fed. It helps us to see others before ourselves. helps us to act, to see with clarity and purpose. Here's one, you're eight to 15. You'll hear us talk about that a lot this next year. This is the average size of our, of our oikos, the average size of our um, group of people that's around us. I've said this, a sphere of influence. I've said that before. Uh, some may have one with fewer than eight. Some may have an oikos with greater than, than uh, 15. But I believe that God's gonna limit our oikos to, to kind of fit our schedule. <laughs> I, I, I do believe it. I believe um, God's gonna give us the people that he knows we can directly help and benefit. This is supernatural and it's strategic on God's part. And he's placed us all to where we can significantly impact those people in our everyday life. Here's one too, your front row, you'll hear me say this a lot. Those eight to 15 people, they are positioned to share life with you more than others do. 8 to 15, just be thinking, who are the 8 to 15 people in my life right now? And imagine those, imagine those people are on the front row of your life. They see you more than others do. They hear you more than others do. They trust you or don't trust you more or less than others do because they know you. The people around you, they aren't accidental. And you'll hear me say this a lot. You are exactly what they need in their life to show them the unbelievable love of God. Don't you say that again? You are exactly who those people need to show them the unbelievable love of God. Here we go, your own people. You'll hear me say this. You have people, believe it or not. You've got people and your people have people because each of those people in your little eight to 15, they have a group of eight to 15. So your own people, um, uh, we are expected, and I think God says, hey, I've given you this group of people to kind of be with and work with. What are you going to do with that? It's almost as if God is telling us, take responsibility, engage, you know, really just focus in. He tells someone in, uh, Matthew, in Mark chapter 5, 19, he tells them, he says, no, go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. We sometimes get bogged down about worrying about the world at large. Things that we can't really control. Things that make us really afraid, but there's nothing really we really can do. Most of those things we'll never be able to fix. Some of them we'll never even be able to impact. 
but your own people? You can do something there. You can have direct impact on those people. You can even do something amazing. In your world, you'll hear this word, your world, none of us are famous enough to change the whole world. Even celebrities can't change the whole world because we don't know them. We don't even know if we can trust them. God gave us each our own world. It's a much smaller group of 8 to 15 people. And we not only have a significant percentage of their attention, we have a chance to earn their trust. We have a chance to be a a friend to them. You hear about your personal mission. I believe that we all have a mission. I believe that we are fortunate to be swept up into the will and reign of God. But I also believe we have a personal mission to identify who those 8 to 15 people are. We could just go throughout our life and not really pay attention. But when you start to really write down those names for yourself personally, who are these people? In fact, there's a little place on that sheet right there. You can start listing out some names of people that, that you know. And I believe very strongly if you pray, God, start revealing some of these people to me. He is going to start giving you names. People you already know. People who are in your life. This is our personal mission. To move these people toward an understanding of who God is, is discipleship. There's a church in Iran. It's the underground church. It's the fastest growing church in the world. These people, man, they are committed. And they tell us the very first time we meet someone, that's discipleship, day one. We're starting with discipleship. Now, they're not relaying information, but they're, they're paying attention. And they have a mission to show them the absolute unbelievable love of God so that they can see truth. That's discipleship. It's our personal mission. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The challenge is to never forget the eternal purpose we woke up this morning to fulfill. We didn't just wake up this morning just because we have a mission. Every one of you, educated or not, whether you feel you know enough or not, we all have a mission. So the next four weeks, I'm going to be telling you very specific terms about how we can reach out to those people who are within our group. We've got several different types of people, and they're listed there on your handout. You've got those people who are purposeful, the people who know God already. They're actively engaged in God. Can you gospel purposeful believers? Yes, of course. And there are prodigals too, those people who have turned their back on God or at least they're walking away. They don't really know why it really matters to them anymore. How do you talk to these people? And if you are a prodigal, I'm gonna be talking to you too because I know you're in here. Just because you may be finished with God, he's not finished with you. So I'm gonna be talking about that in a few weeks. And I'm also gonna be talking a little bit about those people who are potentials. They're the ones who keep showing up and you're like, why do I keep seeing these people? Well, they're, they're there, I don't think by accident. God has strategically placed you in their life for a reason and them into yours. Accept it, engage with it and ask God, what do I need to do? Sometimes it's just to pay attention. Start there. And then we're gonna be talking about what it looks like to gospel pre-Christians. 
I don't like to say non-believers, let's just say pre-Christians, people who haven't accepted yet. Those are the ones we usually want to go to first. Well, let's start with what we know and let's move into where God's going to take us. Because I believe there is some amazing things that are yet to come. This is our mission, folks. This is where I believe God is leading us. He's giving us another day to grow his kingdom. His grace has fallen on us. His forgiveness has cleansed us. It's like new fallen snow, new grace, new mercy on us each and every day. Can we share that with others? If you are in here and you do not know God, I want you to know he knows you. And he's ready for you. Join us. Because we're going to change our world this year it's going to happen and I'm excited to be a part of it with you as our praise team comes up um, we're going to just take a moment and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask that you would pray with me because I'm really excited about what God is about to do for us and this is not a program this is something that is just I believe God's going to open our eyes and I can't wait to hear the stories I'm speaking as if it's already happened. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for these folks. I pray that you would instill in us an excitement, Lord, a spiritual passion for reaching our world for you. Lord, thank you for giving us the people in our lives that you've given to us. Lord, help us, Lord, not to be complacent. Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to be stationary, even though culture has changed, Lord, we are still a bridge to you. And I believe that strongly. So help us, Lord, to be uh, open-eyed Christians who are hoping uh, that the kingdom of heaven expands through our each and every day action. We love you. I pray for those who are still on the fence about their faith. Help us, Lord, to lead them in a, in a better way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together and sing. If y'all need prayer, we are around the room.